the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, June the 2nd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 2nd, 1979, Pope John Paul II arrived in his native Poland, his first visit by a pope, or the first visit by a pope, to a communist country. Well, it was a communist country. I spent a lot of time there. As you listen to this program regularly, you know that. I've talked about it some. I uh, I knew a lot of people in the country, pastors, people in the churches, evangelical churches. And uh, believe me, they weren't communists, but boy, they were oppressed. I've told the stories on this program of being followed around the country by communist operatives, recording every word that I said and so on. Interesting experience. Today in 1774, the Quartering Act, requiring American colonists to allow British soldiers into their homes, that was enacted. That did not play well, as you can imagine, among the colonists, because there was already conversation about uh, putting ourselves off was a common term from the king. They were sick and tired of the king of England, and this did not help matters, I can tell you. It's interesting that today we find a bit of a parallel, at least I do. It seems today there's the Quartering Act is being reenacted by our current administration, the leadership in America, but it has to do more with allowing their soldiers into our minds and our homes through the Internet. The massive push to remake America, to remake Christianity, to remake the values, the moral principles upon which this nation was founded. So I guess the Quartering Act is still alive and well. It's just coming to us in a different form today. Today in 1897, Mark Twain was quoted by the New York Journal. He was in London. He said, the report of my death is greatly exaggerated. He was responding to a report in the New York Herald that he was grievously ill and possibly dying. Today in 1883, the first baseball game was played under lights, nighttime game in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And today in 1924, Congress passed a measure guaranteeing full American citizenship for all Native Americans born within U.S. territorial limits. Today in 1941, baseball's iron horse, Lou Gehrig, he died in New York. He was 37 years old. He had a degenerative disease. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Today in 1953, the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II took place in London's Westminster Abbey. And today in 1966, U.S. space probe surveyor one, it landed on the moon, began transmitting detailed photographs of the lunar surface. Never be, never seen before from that perspective. Nine states and the District of Columbia voted a year ago today, the largest slate of, or two years ago today, the largest slate of presidential primaries in almost three months. The vote count would confirm that Joe Biden 
had cinched the Democratic nomination. So much to be said, I won't get into that today, but there's so much that could be said about the election and the vote count. I know people who even question it are written off as heretics or loonies, so I don't want to say anything about no. We'll get into that one of these days. There's a lot going on behind the scenes in regards to the last presidential election. I'm following it closely, even though I'm not talking about it on this program, but we will be because there's things that need to be said and need to be known um, as we move forward, not necessarily trying to resurrect a presidency from the past, but looking to the future, because elections elections are extremely important to a democracy or a republic. We're not a democracy, but we practice democratic principles in this country, or we attempt to. We are a republic. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Our faith is being challenged today in ways that I have not seen in my lifetime. And yes, I'm over 40. I'm not just starting this journey. But I have never seen some of the kinds of attacks in my lifetime, and I've read a lot of history, that we're seeing in America today. America, the, the, the nation that was known by many just 100, 150 years ago as a Christian nation. Today, we see this attack on our faith from every corner. The psalmist had to know about these things. Psalm 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Hold fast to your faith. Don't, get, don't let your faith get shaken in all this junk that's going on in our culture. Don't waver, for he is faithful. That's promised he'll take care of us. God is good. God is in control. And many, yes, the psalmist wrote, many are the afflictions, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. So just wait for the Lord's deliverance. But don't don't get too stressed out. God is in control. He just wants us to be informed. He wants us to know what's going on in our world. So let's take a look at what's going on in our world as we speak. President Biden is in his presidential proclamation, marking the start of Pride Month, he's bragging in his release that nearly 14% of all of his 1,500 federal agency appointees so far identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. I'm so sick and tired of hearing this, but it's dominating our culture. He says, we will not rest. I'm quoting the President of the United States. We will not rest until full equality for LGBTQ plus AI. I don't even know what all those letters mean, actually. I know some of them. Americans is fully, finally achieved and codified into law. That should be concerning. Codified into law. A poll out yesterday finds that voters, including blacks, they don't think Biden has made much difference for black America. They're right. He hasn't. Statistics prove that he hasn't. So much for equality. It's just talk. It's just words. 
Oh, yeah, I know where he was yesterday. President Biden was bringing healing to Tulsa, Oklahoma. President Joe Biden asserted Tuesday that terrorism from white supremacy was the most lethal threat facing the United States. So much for healing. Biden spoke about the threat of white supremacy during a speech in Tulsa, marking the 100th anniversary of the 1921 race massacre in Greenwood neighborhood. I mentioned that yesterday a bit. The president said, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the, to the homeland today. The president continued, not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. This is the President of the United States. He's going to Tulsa to bring healing, and he's telling the world that the problem we have in America is not China, it's not Russia, it's not those people that are hacking our pipelines, and now the largest beef producer, meat producer in America, they've shut, they've shut that organization, JBS or something like it, they've shut them down. The hackers. Oh, that's but that's not the biggest threat we have. The biggest threat we have are white supremacists. And if you look into what white supremacy is to these folks, it's anybody that doesn't agree with them if they have white skin. And if they don't, they kind of lump them into it as well. If you're a black conservative, you've got a problem. And you know it. They all do. This doesn't bring healing to a culture. Joe Biden knows that. He's not trying to bring healing. He's trying to make political points. If you've been paying even passive attention to whom Biden is appointing to key roles in the administration, you've noticed that when he boasts that nearly 14% of his federal agency appointees identify as LGBTQ, whatever, he says, we will not rest until it's codified into law. That is the vision of this presidency. But Gary, he was in, he was in Tulsa to help the blacks. No, he wasn't. He was in Tulsa to take advantage of a hundred-year anniversary of, of a horrible, horrible event. But he chose to speak to white supremacy and so on. It's interesting. It's very interesting that as people around the world heard his comments, Robert J. O'Neill, he heard the comments as well. Who is Bob O'Neill? Well, He's the guy that actually shot Ben Laden. Remember when Ben Laden was captured, he was killed, assassinated by our Navy SEALs. He was in that compound that he'd been living next to a military base for years, I guess. They knew where he was. They got him. They nailed him and buried him in the deepest part of the sea so his resting place couldn't become a memorial for people who hate America. That's who Bob O'Neill is. He's the guy that shot bin Laden. He heard what Biden said yesterday, and um, he responded with a, tw uh, with a tweet. Bob O'Neill said, this is the most dangerously inaccurate statement I've ever heard from a president. More to follow, I'm sure. That's a guy that really does know who the enemies of America are. This president really doesn't. And that should be concerning to many of us. He's urging Congress to pass the Equality Act, which is more about remaking America than it is equality. 
I've studied it. I've talked about it on this program. We'll certainly be talking about it more as we go forward. It's more about the radical far left in this country seizing political advantage in perpetuity than equality. A survey was out yesterday. Rasmussen, Rasmussen, they published this survey yesterday. And they have found that while support from black voters was crucial to President Joe Biden's election, most voters, including most black voters, don't believe the new president has improved race relations or made life better for young black people. Rasmussen found that only 28% of likely U.S. voters believe race relations in the United States have gotten better since Biden's election. But 39% believe that race relations have gotten worse since he was elected. Democratic Party has a history of pretending to support blacks until the day after Election Day. But don't worry, my black friends. He or his colleagues, they'll be coming calling before the next 2024 election. Reuters says in an article yesterday, Reuters, it's an international news service, activists described the Biden administration as the most pro-LGBTQ in history. Is Joe Biden giving lip service to the black community while he is really in the trenches with the LGBTQ community? Is he giving them more preference than blacks? Some blacks think so. Star Parker, she is the founder of CURE. That's an acronym. I can't remember what the words are, but it's it's a it's a good or great organization. She's a wonderful black woman, very articulate, very uh, smart, and she writes stuff. I read a lot of I don't know about most, but a lot of what she writes. She said in a published uh, article this morning, she said, if there's one reason why problems associated with race in America persist, it's because we pretend to address problems caused by one sin by exchanging them with other sins. She said, President Biden has just issued a proclamation recognizing 100 years since the race massacre that occurred in the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. It's indeed another tragic and painful memory of race relationships in our nation's history. She said the proclamation issued by President Biden states the federal government must reckon with and acknowledge the role that he's played in stripping wealth and opportunity from black communities. Star Parker says, I totally agree. What offends me is that Biden's administration enthusiastically continues federal policies that damage black communities while it pretends it's addressing the problems. As a starter, she said, let's consider that at the same time the president issued this proclamation in Tulsa yesterday, he sent an unprecedented $6 trillion federal budget to Congress that for the first time ever omits the longstanding Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment passed in 1976. She goes into detail, talks about the fact that it prohibits the use of federal funds to pay for abortions, except in the cases of rape and incest. So while, Star Parker, I'm quoting, so while Biden issued one proclamation recalling the tragedy of a massacre of black Americans, he now wants new federal policy that would use federal funds to subsidize another massacre. Abortion policy in our nation amounts to nothing short of a massacre of and tragedy for black Americans born and unborn. She said abortion undermines the values of the traditional family and traditional family values provide the off-ramp From the cycle of poverty. She goes into quite a lengthy explanation with data of how that has happened over the year. I mean, it's very well sourced, her article. 
She said the persistence of problems in black communities stems from federal policies that pretend to fight the sin of racism with the sins of the destruction of life and family. Now President Biden not only wants to continue this destruction, he wants to use our tax dollars to subsidize it. That's where the conflict is. The left says words. They show up in certain places, but they don't mean what they say. I don't know if they don't fully grasp what they're saying. They're just uttering words. Or if they really know laser sharp what they're saying and what they're doing. I don't know. In the case of the president, I would wonder. But Reuters and other observers are all in agreement that the Biden administration is the most pro-LGBTQ in history. In his Bragg press release the other day, he recognized the service of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. He said he's the first openly LGBTQ person to serve in the cabinet. Well, he is. That's true. First one. He's married to a so-called, quote-unquote, to a man. He kept kissing the man when he was running for president in public, on television. Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine, who's really Richard Levine, first openly transgender person, was confirmed by the Senate recently. Buttigieg has zero experience in transportation. He was apparently chosen exclusively because of his sexual behavior. That's who's running this country now. Richard, he calls himself Rachel now, Levine, formerly the Pennsylvania Health Secretary, was chosen because of his decision to become a woman, quote-unquote. That can never biologically happen, but he's living in fantasy land. And he's being honored and celebrated by this administration, in spite of the fact that he moved his mother out of a facility in Pennsylvania, and this is documented, knowing that under his policies, who calls himself her, Under his policies, elderly people with the coronavirus were being moved into the facilities. This was before the public knew. Remember a few months ago when we were learning about all this, Cuomo in New York and all over the place? Well, in Pennsylvania, this guy who says he's a woman, who's now the assistant secretary in our our organization, in our government. I mean, just let that digest for a moment. He was chosen in spite of the fact that he's dishonest. In his former political job, he moved his mother out. Well, I mean, any of us would move our mother out of an elderly facility if they were moving people in there with coronavirus. I mean, good grief. But he was in charge. They were under his policies. Her, quote-unquote, policies. I mean, think about that. Forget that. It That doesn't matter. Integrity? No, put that aside. It's all about... <laughs> your sexual activities. Boy, none of that matters. As long as you're transgender, merit, integrity, no, we're not concerned about that. We've just got to get those quotas way up there. And then he brags to the world, 14% of all of my nominees are gay or transgender. They need help. They don't need leadership uh, jobs, but that's where we are today. There's a growing resistance to Biden's obsessive preoccupation with this. I don't know what his deal is. I mean, he's obsessed with it. 
There's a growing re- reaction to that, but not because most people are bigots. They're not. I'm not. As a pastor, I have counseled people who are homosexual and all involved in all kinds of weird stuff. I love them with the love of God, but I will not condone or affirm, and that's what they're after. They want to be affirmed. They do not want to be accepted. They want to be affirmed. They want to dominate to assure themselves because they struggle with great insecurities. Anyone living in sin does. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Any clear-thinking person knows that these are not the kind of people that need to be leading the most powerful, most prosperous, and the most free, yet, country in the world. They don't need to be in these leadership roles, but, but Biden is obsessed with them running the country. I don't know. The trigger? The trigger for the pushback came when Biden's policies and his insistence on pushing this LGBTQ agenda began to touch high school girls who were excelling in sports, like track. Girls that were winning most all, if not all, of their track meets. These are high school kids, 15, 16, 17 years old, maybe 18 years old. They were winning their track. They were looking for a scholarship. They wanted to go to college and all of this, you know, Title X and all of this stuff. And their parents were cheering them on and standing out there sometimes in the rain or whatever, watching them play soccer, volleyball, whatever. And all of a sudden, these quote-unquote girls started winning all of the track meets. But they weren't girls. (laughs) They're boys who say, you know, I identify as a girl. Yeah, I would push back. My kids are not in high school anymore. As I said, I'm over 40 now. But this was the trigger. And I understand that. Not because people are bigots. Not because they hate anybody. They're just saying enough. We've had it. Now more than 30 states have introduced bills that would restrict transgender youth from access to girls' sports. CBN is reporting that governors in Ohio... Idaho, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, West Virginia, they've all signed bills outlawing transgender students from competing in girls' sports teams at public schools. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, she recently issued a similar executive order. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, yeah, he said, he he signed a measure into law. He's a pretty straight-talking guy. He says it's also personal. He's a great governor. He's doing a great job there. But he said it's also a personal matter. He said, oh, yeah. He told Fox News. He said, oh, yeah, we're going to protect our girls. He said he and his wife have a four-year-old daughter and a one-year-old daughter. And he said they're both very athletic. And we want to have opportunities for our girls. They deserve an even playing field. That's why these people are pushing back. Beth Stetler, of she's with Save Women's Sports. It's a newly formed, I think, organization. She's applauding this new wave of Republican-led legislation. She told CBN, she said, I think it's an amazing thing. What more can we do as women to protect our rights and men and women, nonpartisan alike, that we can see all this is just common, a common sense issue? It is a common sense issue. She said, when we allow males to compete in female sports, it is the end of female sports. <laughs> 
She said, we already have males that hold female sports records. That's why the record seems unattainable. She said, it won't be long. We'll have all male, female sports. So true. The Bible is so clear that God created male and female. But the so-called religious left, even the religious left, not just Biden, but he is of that stripe. The religious left is Catholic, Protestant. They've taken scripture and they've twisted it to show that surely God has not said. That was the first lie that was foisted on the human race. You remember this story in Genesis. The left makes the case that when Christians think about gender, they tend to go back to the beginning. I did considerable study on this, and I'm not going to have time to go into it today, but I want to introduce it to you, and we'll be talking about what the, the... the curriculum, if you please, it's not really curriculum, but it is talking points, and it is well-researched, but it's dead wrong. There are Catholic churches that are advancing this. There are Protestant churches that are advancing this. The Human Rights Campaign is the largest homosexual advocacy group in America, and they are putting this out there with so-called theologians writing it, and it is in-depth. And it is affirming of every perversion that exists sexually in our culture today. I will tell you this. It is concerning when this is being presented to churches and to young people in education. But it's happening. The introduction, and I'll just leave it with this. I've got a couple of minutes left today. But I'm going to get into this soon, so keep listening. Mistakenly, the introduction to this, it's a course. It's like a college course, like a Bible college course, quoting the Bible all over the place. But in the introduction to it, mistakenly, some Christians have suggested that taking the Bible seriously requires people of faith to stand in opposition to the existence, the health, the humanity of transgender people. Consequently, gender expansive people of all demographics and Christian traditions have been made to feel that they must choose between their faith and living a whole, healthy, and authentic life. It says in the introduction, whether you are a ministry leader, the family member of a transgender person, or a trans person of faith yourself, this uh, body of work seeks to serve as a brief overview of the Bible's precedent for affirming the full inclusion of transgender, non-binary, and other gender-expansive people in the full life of Christian community. Well, it begins with a lie. Most people of faith do not stand in opposition to the existence, the health, and the humanity of transgender person. We stand in, we stand, we stand in opposition to the sin because we are trying to live above sin and we expect others to and God expects others to based on his word. We do not hate those people and that is it's the whole thing starts on that premise that these mistakenly misled Christians who are believing what they think the Bible says are wrong. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually affirms all of this perversion. As I said, we'll talk more about that in the coming days. Um, thank you for your support. I, we need it. We never take a lot of time on this program to um, encourage support. We just thank you for it. If without it, we would just go away. I don't think we made our budget last month. So please, if you can help us, please do. Don't forget us. 
And thank you for your support. We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009.